0: listening to Living in Alignment podcast, the show that brings you deep and conscious conversations to live and grow in rhythm to your natural state. I'm your host, Rada Khalifi. We have guest Angela Perger today, and she will introduce us to Ayurveda, the ancient Indian healing system for modern times, and why it's so important for each of us to receive this manual to life which is rooted in authenticity, simplicity, and ease, and helps us get into greater harmony with oneself and within our external environment. Angela Perger is a certified Ayurvedic chef, Ayurveda health counselor, yoga teacher, and mother of two. She hosts the Simple Ayurveda podcast, where she discusses Ayurveda, yoga, motherhood, and minimalism. Thank you for being here. Grab a glass of water and I'll be right back with Angela. Hi, Angela. I finally got the chance to sit with you and thank you. You are so gracious to accept uh, my invitation and share your wisdom and knowledge about Ayurveda. I'm also excited to chat with you today and delve into a topic which is very close to my heart uh, and talk about more Ayurveda. But first, I'd like to know about your journey and how uh, how you journeyed into Ayurveda.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, well, for me, I first heard about Ayurveda about 10 or 11 years ago through a yoga teacher training program, which I know is the way that a lot of us first hear about Ayurveda. Um, And so that was my introduction. But then I was sort of a little bit confused, which happens also with most people that I talk to. It's a little bit confusing if it's not something that you grew up with to look it up online. And so I kind of left it alone for a while. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I was diagnosed with some autoimmune conditions in my early 20s, and so I was always kind of looking for the holistic pathway for managing Mm -hmm. those conditions. And over the years, I've tried all sorts of stuff, like a naturopath doctor and different diet protocols and wellness protocols, and eventually my path led me back to Ayurveda. I started playing with Ayurveda when I was teaching yoga, just with the themes and the seasons. And then working with someone and between my pregnancies and having another autoimmune condition show up during pregnancy, the person I was working with said, you know, I think that you should um, move on up to someone that has more experience. And I realized after seeing a lot of different practitioners and doing different things myself, that I felt like I needed to just study Ayurveda and go all in. And so when I did that, I saw results immediately. I felt better immediately. I started studying it deeply to correct some digestion issues and some mm-hmm. digestive imbalances. But then once I was living an Ayurvedic lifestyle and eating the food and everything, like so many other benefits came up, just like more energy and and just feeling like happier and better off mm-hmm. altogether. And so that's how I, I felt like it was something magical that was really inexpensive or free in many cases, a lot of the Ayurvedic suggestions don't really cost anything or don't require that much of us, (laughs) just an understanding of how nature works. And so that's how I started sharing on the podcast, which eventually grew into, you know, more of a thing over time. But it was basically just lots of passion and excitement.
0: (laughs) I love like, it's so amazing how, you know, um, how you found your way back to Ayurveda. And I love how big things like that ending uh, finding everyone somehow
1: yeah and you know i even in the past few years since i feel like i've been pretty entrenched in ayurveda there's still moments where i fall off the path and um you know sometimes like just staying up too late or going out too much mm-hmm. which you know <laughs> happens to everyone but then for me what i love about ayurveda is just an understanding of why I feel the way I do. So I'm able to connect it back to my own behaviors where I feel like before I might've not felt well, but I might not have been able to directly connect it to what I was eating or what I was doing. So I think that it's so easy to fall off because it does involve everything we do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So yeah, it's not easy to, you know, like follow it all of the time. And I definitely have come up with like, you know, some easier ways to maneuver some of the basic concepts so that they are more applicable for modern day life. And I can actually make it work as a mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I love that. It's like an anchor point for you. What I'm hearing is that, you know, it's there, even if you fall back on it, like, or, you know, um, like some days where you don't feel like it or circumstances situation doesn't help. But it's but knowing it's there, it's like your anchoring point. It's it gets you back into your body and uh, yourself.
1: Yeah, I love the way that you describe that. It's exactly how I feel. Like it's an anchoring yeah. point.
0: So. Angela, for someone who has never heard about Ayurveda, because like I think some of maybe some people like hear the word because I know some of my audience they 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 get excited about it but really don't know much about it. So, what is the philosophy of Ayurveda, and what makes up the under the underpinning of Ayurveda? Like, are there cornerstones for Ayurveda?
1: Absolutely. Um, well, Ayurveda is based on nature that we as human beings are a part of nature and so the foundation are the five elements and we have earth water fire wind or air and ether ether is like empty space Mm. so these five elements exist all around us like we can go outside and see them you know the sun is the fire element um the oceans are the water element obviously and just so they're all around and They make up everything in nature. And so human beings also have these elements within us. And then Ayurveda organizes these five elements into three types of energy. Mm. So that's where we have the doshas that um, is usually the first introduction to Ayurveda. So we have Mm. kapha dosha, which is made of earth and water. And then we have pitta, which is fire and a little bit of water. And then we have vata, which is that wind or air element with ether, the empty space. And so when it comes to understanding ourselves, we were all born with a Prakriti, a unique combination of these three doshas within us. So just for example, like someone could be mostly Pitta and then next Vata and like a little bit of Kapha or mostly Kapha with some Pitta and barely any Vata. So Everybody has like their unique combination. We all Mm -hmm. have all three within us though. And the more that we understand ourselves, the more that we can kind of um, work with our nature that we were born with. And so that's one part of Ayurvedic foundation. Mm -hmm. And then another part of the foundation is that we were born with a certain combination of those doshas, but Depending on the lifestyle that we're living and the foods we're eating and how much sleep we're getting and and all of that stuff, the doshas can sort of fall out of balance. And Mm -hmm. so we might have one elevated, which starts to cause problems in the mind or body. And so when you're working with someone in Ayurveda or you're learning for yourself, really at first it's it's kind of more important just to notice what's out of balance because it can be a little bit of a journey to figure out your actual constitution. For me, it took years to really Mm -hmm. understand my innate nature because Mm -hmm. sometimes imbalances are so big that it's kind of like hard to see what's under the covers. All you can see is the cover.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah yeah i'm trying to like the, the, when you're talking of course i wanted to relate it to my doshas knowing my doshas and uh you know like i know i have a pitta i'm a dominant pitta and vata but i know like vata sometimes takes over when there are imbalances but i don't want to go there yet <laughs> I talk about, but so I'm trying here to reframe what you just said, that underst- the first the first uh, anchor or cornerstone is understanding our dosha or our element combination, which combines the five elements of nature, is our door to learn to do to Ayurveda wisdom. And also understanding the environment that, that affects this. Is that what you're saying, Angela?
1: Yeah, I would say that the first piece in really starting to incorporate Ayurveda into everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, the main foundational principle that I go back to in my own life and for my clients and is like attracts like and mm-hmm. opposites create balance. And so that's where we can just start to look at what's happening in our own body or our own mind and cultivate the opposite quality when something's out of balance. And what that looks like is um, so if Pitta is up, that's fire. Mm -hmm. And so that could look like inflammation, that could look like acid reflux, that could look like bright red skin, a sunburn, like all of those things that are just sort of common sense that we know is extra heat in the body. (laughs) And then Ayurveda would say that the remedy or to help heal would be to cultivate or do things of the opposite quality. So things that cool down. So mm-hmm. slowing down, resting, mm-hmm. drinking cool teas, like having foods that are yeah. more cooling in nature and not so fiery. So avoiding like spicy salsa when you are mm-hmm. all red and aggravated. So it's, it's not, I think that we have to totally understand our constitution right away. Cause that can be a little challenging, but just kind of working with the idea of um, these principles of nature and, and knowing that we can do things of the opposite quality to help balance.
0: I love that. I mean, the way you put it, like for me now, it's so simple. Sometimes, as you said, when I introduced myself to Ayurveda, it, it looked really complicated. And the way you put it right now, it just made it so simple and easy. And even without really going into more definitions, just knowing that, you know, seeing the symptoms and treat it with the op- opposite somehow. Even like, as you said, if it's pitta, um, you you mentioned uh, examples of like the physical uh, body, like what happens with our health, our physical uh, uh, symptoms, but also can be as a behavior. Like uh, I know when my Pitta is out of balance, I go into like, I become overdriven and I overwork and I just become angry and frustrated and, and so you're saying, like, noticing this and just it, the balance is doing just the opposite of that.
1: Exactly. Yes, that, that's so beautiful. And you know, what's amazing is I don't, I'm not downplaying the importance of all of the nuances of Ayurveda, it's a vast science. And so, of course, you know, it, it's kind of endless on looking at what you can do um, but the very basics of it is this, like with pizza, like you said, like being overworked or like kind of obsessed with our work. I'm also pizza. And (laughs) so I'm very familiar with that tendency. Um, and so this is the part, like if you're that type of person and you know that about yourself, then you might literally have to schedule playtime on your calendar because it's not going to be natural for you to make time to just have fun because you get really carried away with your work. And so that's how Ayurveda can be really helpful in just learning that about yourself and knowing that the opposite quality. And so for example, like someone that has a lot of kapha, which is the Mm -hmm. earth and water, kaphas tend to be just a little more content. So they're not as driven. It's not to say you can't be, you know, um, driven as a kapha, but just the tendency is, they're just kind of like a little happier with what is and so they're not with all that fire that's always constantly trying to transform things (laughs) and so a kafa might have to you know schedule a workout or like put time that they're gonna uh, do things out of their comfort zone Mm -hmm. whereas the pizza person is more gonna have to focus not gonna have to but would benefit from focus saying on joy and family and friends like the pizza person's the one on their cell phone at thanksgiving <laughs>
0: working yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know it's it's like it's knowing like your rhythm and and know how to dance to your rhythm um this is what i'm getting like knowing how you function and and knowing who you are and knowing how to dance through that rhythm, not changing who you are. Like, as you said, pitta, if someone is kapha, it's not like the aim to change them to become pitta or become vata. The aim is to know how to dance through your own rhythm, through your own, like finding that balance in your nature.
1: Absolutely. Like, for example, um, when I first had my son, he he's seven now, I didn't have a job. Like I was working in one job and then I quit that. I had him and I was just home, a stay at home mom for a year and a half. I was miserable. Like if I don't have a project, my pits <laughs> of mine needs a project. <laughs> like I was, So, you know, it's like um, now having a podcast and having this business, it brings me so much joy. So it's like, I'm not going to be able to change who i am who i am i need a project i need to be doing something and you know that's not saying anything bad or judgmental around someone else that might be totally content staying at home and not having a job while they're raising their kids because it is a job but for me personally it's like i needed that project or something to do something to focus on yeah and so it's like when we know that then There are times though where I can get carried away and like find myself on my computer late at night and I'm like, this is not Ayurvedic that I'm on my computer late at night doing like an Ayurveda project. I need to shut the computer. So it's just recognizing like we we all have our gifts and our things that we bring, um, but knowing when we get carried away with it and when it becomes detrimental to ourselves and we take things too far.
0: I love that. I love that. And that's one of the things that I keep reminding myself. It's not like about going somewhere. It's just finding that balance within me. Like, you know, um, you know, cause you hear like for myself, like I hear judgment, um, in the past being also a mom my like kids now are older like you know as you said i wasn't able to sit still and be just a mom it's not in my nature and and for for many years i tried to fight that you know like i it's that the all or nothing and ayurveda somehow teach us to be uh, you know to find that balance to find that alignment and not changing or being one or other
1: exactly and so it's like when when you understand more about yourself then it becomes more of a flow to sort of instill these things into everyday life to make sure for example as a pizza a working mm-hmm. pizza mom like that i have an afternoon 20 minute yoga nidra scheduled in my afternoons you know mm-hmm. that yeah. i just chill out every day whereas like you know maybe someone else might want to make sure that they have a workout scheduled in or so just knowing what that opposite quality is that will help to bring you balance
0: love it and and just um you know i want to just stop a bit here and maybe talk more about like the the more more benefits about understanding our doshas can we elaborate more on that yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, so I think that um, really the starting place is to start to notice what's out of balance right now. Like you said, you understand that you have this pitta nature, but that vata is out of balance. And I think, um, well, the text, the ancient text, you talk about that vata is the one that's most likely to go out of balance on everyone, Mm -hmm. regardless of what your your dosha balance is that you were born with. Um, just because it has the most mobile quality about it, it's wind and ether. So Mm -hmm. it is like ideas and multitasking. And Mm -hmm. with that ether element, that empty space, there's endless possibilities. So it's going down the rabbit hole of going online and you can just keep looking up one thing after another, after another. And and like, there's no end to it. We have to have that boundary, (laughs) that (laughs) stopping point for ourselves. Yeah. And it's kind of the same as um, an entrepreneur because the task list is never done and there's always possibilities for more and more and more. So when you have that to drive and then there's the endless possibilities, that's the quality of mobility of movement. Mm. And so when that starts to take over in us to where we start to feel anxiety or overdrive or just a like a lot of movement in our minds, then that's where it's we've taken it too far. And so we have to create some boundaries and create more grounding. So probably everyone listening to this podcast <laughs> would benefit from yeah. noticing when vata is becoming elevated, when there's just a lot of options. And so that's where, for me, voluntary simplicity <laughs> and just yeah. – um, Choosing to keep certain things simple in life is really helpful. Yeah. And usually it's helpful for everyone in some capacity.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the philosophy you uh, lead with, like simple, right? Simplicity.
1: Yeah. Because so with the vata, um, so for everyone, vata is more likely to go to balance just because it it is always, you know, like there's movements with it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to kapha, which is the earth and water element, there's just less movement with earth and less movement with fire than there Mm -hmm. is with air. So everyone has um, vata moving more frequently or more often out of balance. And then on top of that, just our lifestyles that we have now and how we're constantly connected and like our attention is constantly being pulled in different directions. And these are where the practices of Ayurveda and yoga and meditation and all of that, like pulls us back to our center and pulls us back to ourselves.
0: You know, like saying, you were saying, like giving examples of how, um, um vata show up in our you know in our it's movement it's how it show up in everyone i'm wondering angela like how does it show up in our like physiology or digestion or like the physical body other than the mind
1: oh yes <laughs> so um that that's another piece of just the foundation of ayurveda mm-hmm. um there's a saying It's not what you eat, it's what you digest. And Mm. the digestive fire is called Agni. Mm. And so, in Ayurveda, how your digestive system is functioning tells everything about your state of health (laughs) because it's like the way that food transforms into nutrients and nourishes the body is, you know, like the foundation for what's happening in your body and how the tissues are nourished and how they're built and, and everything. And so when we don't digest food, well, the food turns to something called ama or toxins. Mm-hmm. And then depending on the individual, we all have different areas in our body that we have a nat- like a weaker spot, which we could say is sort of our DNA or our genetics or what we inherit from our parents. It's that piece of our health. Mm-hmm. And so When we don't digest food well, the particles that don't get digested sort of gather in the weaker spots of the body, and that's the start of disease. And so digestion is a huge part in how we feel, and doshic balance, those are really the two main things that we look at to figure out what's happening, especially in the physical body. And so when vata is elevated, again, it's that air and ether, it's... um, wind in the body so the first thing that happens for many people is feeling bloated (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's a sign of high vata or constipation because Mm -hmm. constipation is basically a drying out of the colon so that things aren't able to move optimally the way they're meant to move Um, and they basically get stuck and so when it comes to vata if you are feeling scattered and you're multitasking one of the biggest ways that you could just support your whole mind body for health is avoiding dry foods like crackers and toast and Mm -hmm. uh, popcorn and just all the foods that are like even roasted nuts, like everything that's dry and instead focus on foods that have moisture in them, like soups and stews and just cooking your vegetables with a little bit of water and broth instead of everything being dry. And that helps with those symptoms that are, that happen in the body, like the bloating and constipation. And um, another thing that happens with vata in the body is because of the nature of it moving a lot, it'll show up as like a random ache or a pain. So not from, let's say, an accident or you know, bumping yourself, but just like when you get a random pain that doesn't seem connected to anything else. Ayurveda would explain that that's excess vata sort of moving around in the body Mm. gathering there.
0: Amazing. Amazing. So, um, Angela, I'm thinking like how does someone like the listeners begin to learn about their doshas? Are there any tests or where can they start to begin to understand like their mind body uh, combination?
1: You can take a dosha quiz online. Um, I've created one. It's free at simpleayurveda.com It's just at the top. Mm-hmm. Be, um, so a lot of the dosha quizzes will have questions about um, like the shape of your eyes or the thickness of your hair, because all of this gives clues to your unique combination of the doshas. Personally, for many years, I felt really confused by those type of quizzes because I think it's hard to look at yourself objectively <laughs> and, and yes. things like, you know, like, are my eyes you know shaped this yeah. way or that way yeah. or are my yeah. bones so it's really hard so um so the quiz that i made i tried to make it more i call it the modern day dosha quiz so i tried to ask questions about you know like do you use thickening hair shampoo or <laughs> and things yeah, like something that just more real. It,
0: yeah. yeah
1: like very real and tangible. um but that being said you know no piece of paper or no quiz is ever going to give the full answer so the first step is to start to notice your notice yourself, like what's going on on your body. Like, do you have a tendency for constipation and bloating? That's a sign that there's a lot of air in there. And that might be tied to your constitution. Like people definitely have lifetime tendencies toward one or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can take an online quiz. And I have one teacher, he suggests taking 10 online quizzes because then you get the full perspective. (laughs) So there are lots of websites that have free online quizzes. So that's a place to start. And then I also have a free video lesson. Once you sign up for the quiz, you'll get the second email that has the video lesson that walks you through all the parts of understanding the doshas. And then that's it, two emails, and then just once a month mm-hmm. after that, because <laughs> I'm a minimalist. Yeah. But um, yeah. so there's, there's um, noticing like different parts in your body. So just for example, for anyone that's listening that's not quite sure, you know, a Kapha person has more of the earth and water element within them. And so what that looks like, what that means is that they have thicker bone structure. So it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with body weight. It has more to do with the size of the bones. You know, how some you can really look at like ankles and wrist and I feel like calves, those are like Mm -hmm. body parts that you can sort of see like the actual structure. Um, Kaphas will have Thicker hair, like fuller hair, mm-hmm. uh, rounder features. So they just sort of like hold on to nutrients. And then the tendencies in the kapha body are um, to, because of that water quality, to hold on to more mucus or water weight or bloating. So it's just like liquid kind of stays in the kapha body more. And that's mm-hmm. why a kapha person. Usually, will need to make sure that they really put some focus and exercise every day, yeah. because it, it might not be in their nature to move. Yes. Yeah, but they'll need the movement.
0: Yeah, and and you know, like I want to mention something here, or like ask you about it. Is just also there is something about the like knowing. For people who know that there are kafas or the dominant element is kafa, there is also a form of acceptance rather than continuous fighting to be a vata, totally vata. But finding that, does that make sense to you what I said? Or is there yes. a for changing our, our composition?
1: You said so many important points there. First, as we discover our dominant dosha, it's so important to continue the practice of self-acceptance and to have support and self-acceptance in whatever way works. Because I do get this comment all the time um, from kaphas that want to be pitta or Vata. Hmm. And each person is, I you know, Ayurveda teaches like we are all manifested in this lifetime with unique gifts. And so our society doesn't exactly value <laughs> the kapha gifts mm-hmm, as much. Yeah. But um, the tendencies for a kapha person are they are more content, they're more loving. And the ancient texts actually talk about that they make the ideal spouse. <laughs> um, you know, they're grounded, like,
0: like they're grounded. Yes, they're,
1: and for me personally, being someone that's pitta vata, I mean, my best friends are all kafas. I adore kafas, and when I go take a yoga class, I want a kafa yoga teacher that's just loving and gonna massage my head at the end of class. I love that <laughs> because our society is just so like driven by this mm-hmm. pitta, go go go, and then the vata kind of like multitasking energy all over the place, and so a person that's kapha, that's grounded and secure in who they are. And, you know, it's a magical treat to be around someone like that. So any kaphas listening, you are amazing. And the world needs more of your energy, more of that groundedness. And, you know, like, oprah is a Kaffa queen yeah <laughs> you know? it's like, i love
0: that yeah and and you're so right like i'm trying to think about my friends but i know uh, my daughter is actually Kaffa, and i i do like appreciate her energy of this like groundedness and confidence and just kind of like knowing where she is somehow like she is on earth you know while i'm mm-hmm. all over the place with my energy sometimes when it's not balanced um, so yeah, I definitely see the beauty and, you know, the gift of the kafas.
1: I think another important point that you brought up is like, um, with the whole kafa body type, the idea is not to change your body. And so when I say like that kaffas benefit from movement every day, it's just the same as how you and I are pittas and like, we mm-hmm. just have to work. Like there's something within us that we need a job or a project or to be an entrepreneur. and. We are not content just staying home, but at the same time, when it, we take it too far and we don't have enough rest, then we're hurting ourselves. And so, with kapha body types, we're not. I'm not suggesting like that a kapha needs to like strenuously work out every day so that they can have a thinner body that looks like a vata. It's more that um, the tendency probably for many, kafas is like no movement at all. Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. And so it takes focus and awareness yeah. to like make sure you're doing something every yeah. day.
0: <laughs> and and I think also the movement applies, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Angela, is also movement in your mind when you are, you know, the tendency of kafa to be stuck in their ideas and, and their mind or stuck in moving towards something they love to do. Um, so the movement can help them, like the physical movement can ha- help them to move towards their project, to, towards what they love to do, or really be more flexible.
1: Exactly. Like, you know, kafas are the type that would do great with a personal trainer that kind of like pushes them a little bit or <laughs> like gets yeah. them out of their comfort zone, where pittas are usually the ones like already running around and doing all this crazy stuff. So we have to be reminded to chill out. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. So, Angela, for like, just I wanted to ask you something about the season now. And since it's the fall season, we are in October, to going into November, um, and it's the Vata season. Can we say that it's the Vata season? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, how how does like how do the seasons Ayurvedic principles apply in you know how do you align with the environment?
1: At the core of Ayurveda really is seasonal living. So, um, this everything in Ayurveda is described as is like moving. Life is moves in a cycle, and so the doshas align with different seasons and phases of life and different um, things you know that are constantly transitioning, and so. Fall is vata season because we have more wind, the air gets drier, there's um, movement. And then we move into winter. And once we're in like deep winter, that's kapha season where the everything's kind of like at a standstill, which happens around January, February, depending on where you live mm-hmm. like, in the northern hemisphere. Um, and then summer is pitta season, so there's fire. So just to have that basic understanding. Yeah. And so fall for many of us we're have we're leaving pizza season so we're leaving summer fire like you know the sun stays up later into the night and it's hot and also our energy I know where I live like people are very active in the summer there's just a lot going on not so much in 2020 <laughs> but yes. in general usually there's a lot of socializing and traveling and just like a lot of energy. And so it's really easy to feel a little burnt out going into fall. And if we just continue with that motion without doing things to ground ourselves, that's why a lot of us do end up getting sick in the fall. And Ayurveda suggests that the like attracts like and opposites create balance. So with fall being Vata season, we're going back to the qualities of dry, rough, mobile, And so doing things of the opposite nature help keep us feeling well. And so this is definitely a time as we transition into fall that to be drinking warm teas, to be Mm. just all the things that like our grandparents or great-grandparents did naturally, but now our society, we have to actually remind ourselves like basic humanness in some ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's a time to intentionally do things a little slower and- prioritize rest and grounding practices and time in nature, um, you know, hugging a tree, (laughs) sitting outside, things like that.
0: It's amazing, Angela, like if we just be able to listen and connect to nature and like the, the, you know, the power of connecting to nature, how it helps us to align, you know, with no effort to our nature and in our daily life, just we tune in more.
1: Yes. It's I know for me, like one of the hardest things is just, you know, the, the, it, it's even with a daily rhythm, you know, like going to bed at night and just waking up early as the sun rises. It's like all of these things are Ayurvedic practices and they're all just really tuning into nature.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I know, like, it's it's so amazing to have this chat, and I know I have tons of questions, but because of the limited time, I'm just gonna I'm trying to like not go deeper into the subject. So I just want you to talk more about like how can Ayurveda support us, like as being a preventive or a strengthening to our health and and well being. The
1: Basis of Ayurveda for prevention really is having a daily rhythm and living in alignment with nature. So, as I mentioned, our digestive fire, our Agni, is so important because that's how we process the nutrients. And so, one, you know, mindful eating practices are really important in Ayurveda. So, I feel like if if listeners got nothing else but to chew your food well <laughs> from this chat, that would be mm-hmm. amazing. Um, because it's something, especially uh, um, when we eat when we're distracted or we're always in a rush or things like that or multitasking, we don't chew the food well. It doesn't matter if we had the perfect, beautiful plate of food full of prana. If our body doesn't digest it well, it won't know what to do with it. So Mm. I think for preventative medicine and Ayurveda really – mindful eating and chewing your food well. So my teacher says chewing it to liquid mush. <laughs> so mm-hmm. paying attention, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like so, so simple. But I swear that's like, that was probably like the main thing that helped me heal my digestive issues was just really paying attention to what I'm eating and chewing the food well
0: <laughs> and to I not be on that. my laptop yeah. while I'm eating. Yeah, yeah that's a great <laughs> reminder, I mean, for myself. And I'm sure tons of listeners would, you know, would agree with that.
1: Yeah, so I mean the for the very basics of Ayurveda, mm-hmm. I feel like um, chewing your food well, you know, honoring your meals, honoring your sleep, and just noticing these qualities, you know, the like attracts like an opposites great balance. If you feel scattered, meditate, take a walk in nature, do something to relax. Mm-hmm. If you feel stagnant, and stuck energy move your body <laughs> do something that kind yeah. of takes you out of your comfort zone
0: yeah yeah and um something came to my mind and i could completely forget about it but <laughs> <laughs> it's just so many questions now running i think my pittas trying to or my my vata uh <laughs> but um you know, like there's also something about, you mentioned about like mindful eating, right? And about, um, oh, now I remember. It's What about like following the, uh, you know, the day cycle of like morning is exercise or noontime is like when our digestion, when our fire is, our pitta is high. This is where it's recommended to have a meal. Can you speak to that more?
1: Yeah, so just like the seasons follow those doshic energies, that cycle, um, the times of day also follow an energy cycle. And so basically in Ayurveda, the day is chunked into four-hour segments. And so at 6 a.m., we enter in – well, I'll start at – Yeah, I guess (laughs) the way that it goes, let me see where to start. I'll just start at 6 a.m. From 6 to 10 a.m. is considered the kapha time of morning. And Mm -hmm. so the energy – and so that's why in Ayurveda it's recommended that we're up at 6 because the more we sleep in past 6, the more that we – the like attracts like. Like if we're laying in stillness in our bed during the time that it's the kapha time of day, we're just kind of creating like lethargic, earthy energy. Mm -hmm. So – when we get up at six and start our day and then ideally, especially if you have a kapha type body, get some movement in between 6am and 10am. Like even if it's just a walk around the block or something. Um, But just to like start moving and do that opposite quality. And Mm -hmm. then from 10am to 2pm is the pits of fire. So the sun is the most vibrant and out and strong. And so, it's recommended that we eat lunch in this time frame around noon because the sun mirrors what's happening in our body with agni, with our digestive fire, and this is um, when our body has the strongest ability to digest something. And so, Ayurveda would suggest that you have your heavier meal at lunchtime rather than at dinner time. Um, so. Because you have more digestive Mm -hmm. fire. Yeah. And then in the afternoon from two to six is the vata time. So that's when the winds come. Um, If you've been working really hard or not eating properly, then it's very uh, common to have a crash (laughs) at the vata time of day. (laughs) which I know I used to grab, like want to have coffee or sweets or something as a stimulant. Mm -hmm. But if we could actually do the opposite, and this is where I now schedule myself the yoga nidra for 20 minutes in the afternoon. So instead of reaching for a stimulant to keep Vata going, which ultimately leads to a stronger crash later, if we could schedule afternoon short siesta or meditation or, or walk in nature or something that's calming or even just an herbal tea if you can't step away from your desk um you know that's just helpful for calming mm-hmm. that vata and then from 6 p.m to 10 p.m we enter i mean come coming back to i think i said and then we enter back into the kapha so there's two Uh, parts for each dosha so there's the evening part so 6 to 10 p.m is the kapha time of night so that's we kind of want that grounding energy to help us wind down and this is also one of the reasons that it's not suggested to have a super heavy dinner is because that's already Mm -hmm. like grounding energy and then we don't want that food just sitting in us while we're sleeping
0: yeah
1: um and then we have the pitta time of evening 10 p.m to 2 a.m Ideally, we're asleep at this time so that that Pitta energy converts everything from the day and sort of clears us out and refreshes us for the next day. And then from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., we go back into the Vata cycle, which is, um, so if someone experiences insomnia between like 2 and 5 a.m., that's a sign of elevated Vata. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And then, so that's also another reason, you know, in Ayurveda, suggested that we wake up before six so that we could wake up in that bata clear energy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, amazing. Thank you for sharing those, like, you know, since the beginning, many, many tips, and I'm sure there are going to be a lot of takeaways. Um, For people who are new to Ayurveda or even like they know about Ayurveda, there's a lot of tips that they can ease their way into the Ayurveda lifestyle.
1: Yeah, that's, it's so important to understand that, of course, this is, there's endless things to learn, but Ayurveda is called a living science because we have to actually do it and apply it. <laughs> and so just starting with something really small and letting that be a part of the journey and then adding in like another piece later rather than mm-hmm. trying to do everything at once, I feel is the sustainable way to make shifts that actually mean something to us in our lives.
0: Yeah, super amazing. Exactly. That's, that's, a, that's a huge uh, tip, you know, to easing by adding one step at a time and, and working on the consistency. Angela, to wrap our our conversation here, which is very pleasant, and thank you for sharing all this with us. I'd like to ask you, uh, what does living in alignment mean to you? For
1: me, living in alignment, I think, is to be in alignment with nature and just to be authentic and who I really am, and and not distracted or trying to be someone that I'm not
0: beautiful such a pleasure to talk to you it was really great chatting with you and just uh, have a great week and again thank you for your time for your knowledge and really like working with my time and your flexibility so I really appreciate that
1: thank you so much
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you've got something interesting to share, tag us in a post on Instagram or comment below. We'd love to hear about your takeaways. I'd be grateful if you head up to iTunes and give us a rating. Also, who do you know can benefit from today's episode? Pay it forward, share the link. Thanks for listening. This is Ghada Khalifi signing off.